This is Gospel on the Ground, a podcast from Trinity Bible Church in Phoenix, Arizona. It's a collection of testimonies of Trinity members for Trinity members. And today's guest is Amy Bean. Amy Bean, thank you so much for coming in and spending some time with me this afternoon. Um, I'm grateful for uh, an opportunity to just kind of hear what the Lord's been doing in your life and how you became a Christian. I have had the pleasure of actually hearing your testimony before in in your membership interview. Um, so I want you to feel as free as you, you'd like to be able to share what you like. Uh, how did you how did you become a Christian, Amy? Did you grow up in a Christian home? So yes, I grew up in a very strong Christian home with two parents um, that are still married. And the I, I don't have a specific memory of this. I don't remember becoming a Christian as a child. I just remember always believing. Mm. Um, my mom has told me the story that when I was about four years old, we were coming home from my grandma's house and I was talking about how much I was going to miss my grandma. Mm. And I said, but that's okay because, you know, grandma's in my heart. Mm. And then I told her that I thought I should have Jesus in my heart just in case something happened to grandma. Mm. So that's um, the story my mom always told me. But I, I just always remember believing. So I remember in kindergarten or first grade, somewhere around that time, there was a neighbor boy down the street and he was Jewish. And they, they were not Orthodox, but they did observe Jewish holidays and everything. Um, and I would try to tell him about Jesus. And his mom one day told me that they don't say that name in their house. Ooh. And so I later sat on his French front porch and talked to him through the screen door mm. to tell him about Jesus wow. because in my little mind, I wasn't breaking any rules. I, sure. was, I was not the in their house. <laughs> right. Um, and so I remember that. I definitely spoke about Jesus um, all through my elementary school days and into junior high and high school. But I definitely also got to a point in my life where I fell away from the Lord. Mm. Um, and I would say that that process that really happened in college, um, I think as believers, we all have that sin issue, sin issue in our life where you struggle with sin. Mm -hmm. um, we have certain sins or temptations that are, you know, stronger for us than for other people. So I think everybody kind of has their pet sin maybe or or the sin or temptation that's harder for them to overcome. Sure. Um, as a child or as a young teen, I guess I would say that my sin temptation was boys. Mm. And so when I was in junior high and high school, that was always a temptation for me. Um, if I was going to fall away from my walk, it would be because I liked a boy and he wasn't a Christian and sure. um, things like that. But then I, I went to college, graduated college, moved out to Arizona to work on a horse ranch. Um, Where were you living before? I was in Southern California. All right. And that's right. I didn't really say anything about myself, but I grew up in Southern California. Um, I moved out to Arizona right after college and, um, and worked on a horse ranch for about a year. And, and one of the things I learned just about human nature from that period of time in my life looking back is that uh, when God says it's not good for man to be alone, yeah. he, he really means it. Um, I was living on my own. I was a young adult. I worked on a horse ranch. 
And the only other person on the ranch didn't really speak much English. So we weren't close friends. It, it, it you know, I didn't have any so- social life. I didn't find a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was lonely. I was depressed. Um, and I started doing drugs mm-hmm. as a form of entertainment and escapism. And through that, I met my current husband. <laughs> kind of strange. Um, but he and I, yeah, so he introduced me to meth. And I don't know, I feel like I'm very out of order on this right now. That's so, okay. <laughs> um, and, I, and I'm trying to think of, of where to go with this because the question is, how did I become a Christian? So, yeah. Um, the answer is I've always, I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember, but I did have this time in my life where I rejected, or at least I thought I rejected Christianity and God. Mm. And it started with the drugs and my current husband in my life and choosing, knowingly choosing to sin mm. um, and walk away and to choose my husband over God and choose drugs over God. Um, and during that point in my life, if you talked to me, I would tell you that I thought I was going to hell, that for sure I was not saved. If I had been saved, I was no longer saved. I had knowingly rejected God. If there was a God, I would be going to hell. Hmm. Um, so I can't remember if it was a year or so into our relationship, I eventually ended up getting pregnant. Hmm. Um, I decided that I didn't want to quit drugs. I didn't want to uh, change my lifestyle. This was a big inconvenience. Uh, So we made an appointment. We went to Planned Parenthood. And they told me that I was 12 weeks and three days pregnant, Mm. which was three days past the Arizona cutoff for a medical or for a prescription. What is it? When they give you a chemical, or- yeah, like a chemical, like so. So I was three days past the time when they could just give me a pill, yeah, and and I would abort. I would have to come in, and they would have to do a DNC. It would be a surgical procedure. Um, it would cost more money, and that really was the key factor um, was the money. <laughs> um, and it's just interesting to look back and see all the ways that God orchestrated that so that I wouldn't make a life altering decision. Um, that I didn't even realize, like at the time, how life altering it would be. Um, so, so I was three days past. Um, of course, my current husband, my now husband, at the time, he didn't want to spend a lot of money. Um, so he then came to me and said, if I promise not to come after him for child support, he figured we should maybe uh, place the baby for adoption. Mm. So this was a actually very natural choice for me because I'm adopted. Mm. My dad's an adoption attorney. My sister's adopted. I grew up with adoption all around me. So we had birth mothers that we would host at our house during holidays. Um, So the concept was not foreign to me. Sure. And I always look back and I think it's funny because when I first found out I was pregnant, I was willing to kill the baby because I didn't want to mess up my lifestyle. I didn't want to quit doing drugs and lose, possibly lose my husband and all of these things. Um, But when I was faced with the option of 
adoption instead, I decided I didn't want to ruin this unborn child's life by continuing to do drugs during the pregnancy, so I actually stopped drugs. Mm. So this baby and the fact that I didn't have an abortion, the fact that I was in denial for so long that I was three days past the Arizona cutoff um, actually ended up saving my life Mm. because it's the reason, he's the reason why I quit doing drugs. Um, And there's so much more to it than that because he's also the reason why I came back to faith in Christ. Mm. Um, So for me, uh, we we chose the the path of adoption um, as part of that, as as a domestic adoption, uh, I get to look through profiles of, of a prospective adoptive families. Mm-hmm. Um, I met with an attorney out here who my dad knew and recommended. And at the time, I was not looking for a religious family. Mm. I, I, that's how far away from the Lord I was. I, like, yeah. I really, that wasn't priority in my mind. I wanted somebody who was young. I wanted somebody who was the same faith. I wanted them to have some type of faith mm. But I, but I just wanted it to be the same, like so that it wouldn't be Consistent. a divided home. Yeah. Um, but so I found this couple, and um, shortly after picking them, the adoptive mom's sister sent me. It was like a seven-page letter, mm. and I'll try not to cry. You That's know, okay. I'm a crier. Okay. I'm such a crier. There's no shame in that. Um. So she sent me a seven-page letter, a Bible, highlighters, two CDs, and a book. And the letter was essentially a letter saying, I don't know you, and I don't know where you're at with faith or with God, but let me tell you about Jesus. (laughs) She sent me um, a little Bible, a bookmark for the Bible, and she had written on it, Matthew 11, 28 which is the verse that says, come to me, Mm. all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I remember thinking, that's me. (laughs) I'm weary and heavy laden. And, um, And so I, that was it. I just, I came back. I came back to Christ. And, you know, I had been in a relationship for the past two years with a man who was abusing drugs, who was verbally abusive, emotionally abusive. We had no money because all of our money went to drugs. Um, And so when I say I was weary and heavy laden, like I was truly physically weary and heavy laden. Um, And I think looking back, the most beautiful thing about how all of this came about was, or what I remember the most is that when I made that confession, when I said, that's me, mm-hmm. it was an open-armed acceptance of who I was mm. in that moment. Yeah. So what I remember, and I like to remind mature believers of, is that... Um, I didn't come to Christ in that moment and think, oh boy, I got to move out because I can't live with this guy I'm not married to. And I've got to really clean up my act because, you know, God doesn't like sinners and and I've got to get to church. I better start going every Sunday and make sure I'm like, none of that. It was a simple, desperate need for his grace. Mm. And he then worked over years yeah. to refine me and bring me to a place where 
things like church attendance and morning devotions and prayer time became important to me yeah. and became things that I looked for. But in the time of need, in my time of sin, those weren't the things that he immediately called me to. I'm not saying you're always called to that, but it was just he but, brought me to that. Yeah, I mean, it's a process, right? I mean, the, your your justification is an instantaneous sort of a thing. Sanctification is not that way. It's right. different. It takes time. Right. Uh, it, it is It is a, a, a process. Um, so you have this experience now. You've made this confession. Uh, that's me. Uh, I need. I need this grace. Who Who was in your life to be sort of helpful to help you uh, come back to where you knew you needed to be? So at that point, no one really. Um, I I remember I started. So she had given me the book um, "Purpose Driven Life." Yeah. Um, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, and a couple of Christian CDs. It was Nicole Nordman. Okay. And I forget who the other lady was. Um, and so I listened to those. I read the Bible. And I started watching, uh, what's Myers? What's her Joyce. Joyce Myers and Creflo Dollar. All right. Because it was like the channel only 21. channel yeah. I could get. We didn't have cable. We didn't have money. Yeah. So it was just... And I would watch them. I think they were on Sundays, and I would watch them every Sunday. Yeah. Um, and so that's another thing. God can use means that we may <laughs> not think are in totally doctrinally sound to yeah. still reach people and bring them. Well, it's one of the one of the recurring themes in hearing people's testimonies and having these conversations is that in any given moment, it might look like this this person's situation is kind of hopeless how is this going to get better? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and at any given moment, it can look horrible like that. But now being able to look back on the other side, uh, recognizing what God has done in, in guiding, protecting, comforting, calling you back to himself, um, you're able to see with a little more clarity uh, in a way that wasn't you weren't able to in that moment. And so right. you didn't have anybody who was telling you, hey, you shouldn't watch Channel Twenty One, <laughs> right? Right. And so, how would you be responsible to not to know that, right? Like if nobody had had explained that to you, right? Um, yeah, and so, and and so you've moved on from there as you've been embraced with what good doctrine is. You haven't right. rejected it. You've embraced it. And you've you've learned and you've grown, and right. that's a great thing, right? Yeah, right. So, how did you how did you move on from there? So, so um, I ended up having the baby. Um, baby boy, and after the birth, it was a C-section, an emergency C-section, so I was kind of laid up for a little bit. Um, my parents came out, and I chose to go home with them. I, I chose that, you know, in order to heal emotionally, spiritually, physically, um, I wasn't going to be able to do that working at a gas station, living with a druggie sure. in Arizona. Um, so I moved back home with them. And it was a long process. They uh, were part of a strong church, and that church, their small group, had been praying for me for, you know, two and a half, two and a half years. Wow! So they were really excited because they got to meet me. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> um, and through and I and I joined that church, and through that church, I began to form relationships and and become um, a little stronger. 
and, and there's more to my story, and I'll, and I'll touch on that next because I think it speaks to the human condition and the fact that we can have an amazing experience and we can still choose to go back to our sin and we can still cho- choose wrongly. Mm. Um, but the, the, the adopted mother-sister, the one who had given me the Bible, she really inspired me. So when I was living at home and healing, um, I remember I bought a whole bunch of Bibles and I would just give them out to people. Mm. Like if I felt that they, I, I just would, just if I felt a tug at all. And my thing was that God's word is what changes lives. Yeah. His, his word is what goes out and, and doesn't come back empty. Not my, not my evangelism, not my story, not, like his word is so strong mm. and his word is what touched me. Yeah. So, um, so that was something I would walk the neighborhood and I would pray and I would hand out Bibles. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I said, I, um, I had cut off all contact with my current husband, um, during this period of time and it had been about a year, a year and a half, and he reached out to me mm-hmm. and indicated that he had been clean and sober and he had fixed everything in his life and he had a job and his relationship with his family was good again and that he really wanted to see if we could work without drugs. Mm. Um, I knew that I shouldn't. Mm. <laughs> um, but I also... And it's not an excuse. I think this just speaks again to who we are as humans. Mm. I had a lot of scars mm. and hurt that for whatever reason, I felt like he could heal. Like I, it felt like being with him or, or having that relationship might fix some of those open wounds that I still had. Um, some sense in which perhaps if you go back and, and restore that, it sort of redeems what's happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, you can sort of fix the story almost. Right, right, and and you know when God talks about the fact that the two will become one flesh as as a married couple, and you decide to engage in that activity before you're married, mm-hmm. you do create bonds mm-hmm. to people. I think, yeah, and I and and I don't. So I think that that played a role in it too. There was a part of me that felt bonded to him in a way and there was a part of me that felt like nobody else could fully understand what we went through except mm. for him yeah um so i i did choose i did choose to to see him again i did choose to be with him um and this is the part of my story that i'm not very proud of but i did end up pregnant again mm-hmm. um and at, and i did choose adoption again um at that point abortion was not a choice for, for me, mm-hmm. um, something that happened, and I didn't touch on it earlier, was that when I chose to do adoption with the first baby, um, I I was you know obviously into the second yeah into the second trimester. I was later on in my pregnancy by the time I chose adoption, and then we had a doctor set up. And when I had left Planned Parenthood, they had told me I had until um, the sixteenth week. Um, the the end of the fifteenth week. So if I hit sixteen weeks, I would be too far along, and that by Arizona law, like they couldn't help me, they wouldn't be able to do, um, the abortion. And so when we did get a doctor, and I went in for my first prenatal checkup, 
I remember walking out and I had ultrasound pictures and you could see it was a baby boy. Mm. Like you could see everything. Sure. Toes, fingers, everything in this picture, you know, baby boy. Um, and, And if you look at the date stamp on those photos, it was 15 weeks and six days. Oh, wow. And that was eye opening for me because I realized as I walked out and as I saw that date, I was like, I could have been walking out of an abortion clinic. Mm. And, and, and it was so real to see. Yeah. And I don't think it had been real to me before. Mm-hmm. Like it was academically real, sure. but not personally real. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I found myself in a similar position, except without drugs and without some of the unhealthy other things. I chose adoption again. Both children are with the same family, mm-hmm. um, so that that's fun to know. Um, and I continued to not make the best choices. I ended up moving out here with my husband. I moved in with him before we were married, and I um, stopped going to church again. Because that's kind of what you do sure. when you're choosing to live in sin. Yeah. Um, my the pastor at my old church was very wise. He said, "You're always welcome here. We will always welcome you here." He goes, "But you will distance yourself. You're, you know, you'll do that on your own." Mm. And and he was right. It's yeah. you know, it's uncomfortable. Um, so I lived out here for about seven months, and I realized that I was really, really hungry. I was hungry for the the word I was hungry for Christ. I I felt a hole and I felt an emptiness. Mm-hmm. I think that's the Holy Spirit convicting yeah. and pulling, um, because He doesn't abandon us even when we're in sin yeah. um, and rebellion. And so I found a church. I started going to church. I decided that I couldn't continue to live with my husband when we weren't married. Mm-hmm. So I told him, "Hey, we can keep dating." gonna have to separate and then he asked me to marry him (laughs) (laughs) so so we did we we got married um and god is good and he has redeemed many things about my decisions i do believe that it was a sin to marry my husband because he's not a believer Mm. um it was a sin to choose to be back in a relationship with him. It was a sin to choose to live with him. Um, but I do feel that through all of this experience from from meeting my husband and doing drugs, falling away, coming back to Christ, choosing to rebel, even after all of that grace had been shown to me, um, and then marrying this person through this marriage, I feel like God has really honed my obedience. Mm. And I feel like it was during my marriage, some of our early years, when God really started to change my heart and I really started to become kind of a new person. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I went through a rough time because my husband said I wasn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he wasn't thrilled with some of the changes in my life. Um, and... I had I had many friends that are not Christians and coworkers that just said, "Why don't you get divorced? You you know sure. why are you miserable? This this is what you should do." And and I remember for the first time finally thinking like I've done it my own way so many times. Mm. 
and it never works out well. <laughs> and so I chose, I just said, no, I, you know, I am committed to this marriage mm. um, and God will see me through, like yeah. whatever that is. And if my husband chooses to leave, then th- that's his choice, but I have to remain faithful. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not going to be helpful to try to correct this in by sinning again. Correct. Right. So it is not easy, and I would advise strongly advise everyone I know um, that if you're dating a non-believer, that you not marry them and mm-hmm. that you stop dating them. Um, I had that same advice. I had people mm-hmm. that had married non-believers that met with me and said, "Don't do this, Amy. Mm-hmm. Don't do this." Um, but you don't understand what marriage is until you're married. Sure. You don't understand what it is to be yoked to someone mm. until you're married, I think. I, I don't think it's and, – and then some of those things don't come out until later, yeah. even, in the marriage. So it might start out great. Sure. But but we are being sanctified, and so God does change us. Yeah. And I've I've seen uh, – how, how many years have you been here now? At Trinity? I've yeah. been here for just over four years. Okay. I'm just sort of thinking of the ways that you've been around and have been serving. You you have sort of taken a spiritual uh, lead in, in your home as you've needed to. Yes. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? I've taken the spiritual leadership role because I have to. Yeah. Um, and in some ways it's beneficial to me because it is a spur to be involved and, and not forsake the fellowship of the saints because I want my daughter to be surrounded by believers and to see what that means. You, and you've have another daughter tell us, tell us about her. Oh, so yeah. So I never really did get there. Did I? Um, so after my husband and I got married, uh, we did end up having our own child and obviously the other two are also our children, but, um, we had Samantha and, um, as part of that, as part of that deal, when we both decided we wanted children, I did tell him I said that I would only have children if he allowed me to take them to church. Mm. That I would not agree to have children if I could not bring them to church. Um, and this is a story again. I just see God's faithfulness all through everything, like my in, entire journey. The fact that He protected me from death when I was doing drugs and and any serious injury and all of that to the fact that you know, I made this agreement and he, Robert said okay to it, although he did say when she doesn't want to go to church though, you can't make her. Mm-hmm. So that was the deal. When the child doesn't want to go to church, you can't make them go to church. And I thought, okay, well that gives me at least you know five, six, seven years, right? <laughs> um, and I remember Sam was about four or five years old. Um, we weren't at Trinity yet, we were at a different church. Um, and I'm getting ready to go, and she's saying very loudly that she doesn't want to go. Mm. She wants to stay home. And Robert's home, and I'm thinking, oh boy, here it comes. You know, here it comes. And he says, "You need to go to church." <laughs> <laughs> and so that was, I think, God's grace. Mm. Um, and He's kind of kept with that. He has it. God's grace has allowed me to take her to church faithfully since she was born. She's now ten years old. Yeah. Um, and there are mornings that she doesn't want to go, and and Robert has has not interfered with that, mm. and he's not interfered with Wednesday nights, yeah. and he's not interfered with having group meet at our home on occasion mm-hmm. and Bible studies. And yeah, you guys have like swimming studies at your house. And... We do swimming studies at my house. Um, 
so although the deal was that when she didn't want to go, I didn't, I wouldn't be allowed to make her or she could stay home with him. He's, he's allowed us to go. He plans things with her for after church. Mm. Um, and so God is very good in, in meeting us, you know, where we're at. Yeah. And then Sam, she's been very involved in church. She's very aware of Robert's unsaved status. Mm. Um, she's very concerned for him. Yeah. Um, we pray for him. She, I believe that she truly knows the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has expressed interest in baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, she's doing great with her catechism. She, yeah. she's, she's working on her catechism. She's learned most of that at Sunday school. Yeah. But she's also very solid and says things, you know, that I'm very impressed about. She went to a way camp um, with a couple girls and came home and I forget what was going on that morning if I was running late or something and I was frustrated. And she says, Mom, it's okay. Remember, God is in control. There's a reason for this. There's a reason you're late. Don't be upset. <laughs> um, and just, she's just very, she's very aware of sin and God's goodness and his grace and that we need Christ um, to be saved and to be in his presence. Yeah. Yeah, she seems very, very tenderhearted uh, in a way that's similar to you. She, she is tenderhearted. She's also very strong. <laughs> well, like you too. <laughs> uh, I've so in in your four years since you've been here, I've I've uh, just really been encouraged by your your faithfulness, your presence here consistently, and serving in so many different various ways through the kids ministry and with the men, women's ministry. And you've recently come on with the youth uh, yes. as well. Yep. So what's that experience been like? Um, working with youth, before I started, I was terrified. <laughs> um, and, and for those of you listening, if you don't know, uh, Trinity's youth program starts seventh grade through 12th grade. Mm-hmm. So you're working with junior hires and high schoolers. Um, and I was terrified because I no longer see myself as young. Um, I certainly was never that cool in school. Um and so I thought, how am I going to relate to these kids? How am I going to have anything, you know, any impact sure. on their lives? Um, and But I really felt that God was calling me hmm. to step into that role. Um, so I did. And what I have found is that I absolutely love it. It's one of my most favorite ways of serving hmm. um, here at Trinity uh, out of all the things that I do. Um, the kids keep you young. <laughs> the group of kids we've got are amazing. They're great kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they're funny and they're fun yeah. and they care for each other. Um, so they encourage me in my own walk. And I feel that God kind of told me or not, he didn't speak to me personally, but I, w- what he reminded me of through people and and through study is that you know, he did create a body, a diverse body. And just because I don't think I'm the classic cool youth leader doesn't mean that I can't do some good there. There doesn't mean that he doesn't have a purpose yeah. for me to be there. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, who, um, I, I sympathize with that. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't cool in high school either. Still not. But, uh, really what, what, what kids need in the youth is is people to, to 
to know uh, to know them, to listen to them, mm-hmm. and to just try to enter into the story and just to care and to be mm-hmm. present. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had a chance to go back and knowing what you know now, uh, if you could have brought some words of comfort to Amy uh, of 10, 15 years ago, what would you have wanted to have said to her? I would want to give myself a little piece of the hope and peace that I had when I came back to Christ when it, and, and, and saying that um, once you're his, mm-hmm. you are always his. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't let go. He has not let go. And he won't let go. Yeah. Like there's a poem, I forget who wrote it, The Hound of Heaven. Okay. Have you heard of that I one? And that idea that he chases you down. Yeah. That you can run and you can make poor decisions, but I truly believe that we're saved by the grace of God and by his providence and his election, and he will hold you. Yeah. And then no one will snatch you from his hand. Correct. Yeah. So and that's what I would probably tell myself is that you feel lost and unsaved and dead, but he's still there and you just have to turn. Yeah. Well, Amy, uh, I really appreciate your time and, uh, and your vulnerability and your honesty and, and your, and your wisdom, um, that you've been able to share with the experiences that you've gone through and, um, the ways that you have used that to minister to others is, is really encouraging. Well, thank you. Yeah. Amy, thanks for your time.